Welcome to the Cross the Line Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith, and today's episode is sponsored by Big Ben Dessert. If you've been watching this already, this lady is a gem already that I can tell. Um, so, so many things that she's accomplished. She's a U- U.S. Army veteran, an author, a minister, life coach, notary, owner of Kingdom Dispatch and Logistics. Probably so many more things that I may have left off, and I apologize for that. But today I have a very special guest, Ms. Leslie Epps Wallace. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Man, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to join me today. Like I said, I've already been enjoying our conversation just from the moment that you walked in. Um, even when I watched some of your videos on your Facebook page, you always had this warm and inviting spirit. So I already knew then once you came in, I was like, okay, this is going to be a, a really great conversation. So thank you for taking the time to join me today. And thank you for the invitation, and thank you for watching my videos. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. But it is it is a pleasure to be here. This is actually my first podcast. Don't tell nobody. Really, really. Yeah, so, nobody. so we got to start this one off right. So, <laughs> so kind of starting out. I know people. I'm gonna I'm share this the beginning part of this conversation, but from all the things that I've I read off this off the paper, um, the U.S. Army veteran, author, minister, life coach, notary. Um, the, the owner of Kingdom Dispatch and Logistics. Did you ever see yourself accomplishing all these things from the beginning, like growing up? No. I never saw myself doing any of those things because growing up, I guess I, I shall say I considered myself the black sheep. So therefore, all the things that God has allowed me to accomplish, I never even imagined one of them where I would what I would be able to accomplish and be where I am today. Mm-hmm. A author never even imagined, never even dreamed of it. Owning my own business with my husband. That right there, I still have to pinch myself <laughs> every single day. Being a certified life coach, helping someone else through life. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, because nobody helped me. Right. <laughs> but, you know, here I am having the opportunity to walk side by side, hand in hand with ladies to help them get to where they want to be in life and help them to realize their potential. Same is with owning Kingdom Dispatch and Logistics. It is helping individuals get to where they want to be. Mm-hmm. And I have like, no, I never saw myself at this point in this place. But guess what? I am so loving it right about now. I am so loving it because guess what? I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's nothing that I did. It's what God has allowed me to do. Yes, ma'am. So I don't take it for granted. I don't take it lightly. It's not even work for me. It's a pleasure and an honor to be able to do it. Absolutely. So, so let's go back a little bit. You know, how would you describe yourself growing up? Like, were you, cause like I told you, like, I, I feel this like warm and inviting spirit, like just from the moment you walked in here and just from your videos. So were you always this way growing up? No. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was not. And, it, and as I say, I always felt that I was the black sheep of the family. So I always felt that I had to always be on the defensive. I mm. had to get you before you got me. So I had to be the one to have the, the, the best comeback or the first comeback, you mm. know, before you got me. But it wasn't until life happened that caused my heart to become mush, 
that caused me to be able to take a look at myself and realize I didn't like being treated that way. So I'm not going to treat other people that way. So life happened. Mm -hmm. And when life happened, I changed. My heart changed. But most importantly, when I accepted Jesus, that's when everything changed. Because if he can love me the way I was, why can't I love somebody else? Absolutely. So growing up, like what what did you see type of lifestyle did you get to see like from your from your family? Did you like I said, you know, most of the time, you know, when you work when you come from a working family, kinda like growing up you think that's what life is. So did you see entrepreneurship or did you see your family work traditional nine to fives growing up? Traditional nine to fives growing up. Being a business owner, stepping out on your own, mm-hmm. um, coming out and just walking away from a job that pays you a paycheck every week. No, I didn't see it growing up. And growing up, I thought that's what it was. I went graduated high school, went straight into the military. Um, and like I told you before, I believe in being transparent and honest. So went straight into the military, but didn't have any financial training or financial or how to handle money. So mm-hmm. I would get paid on the first, I'd be broke on the third. <laughs> <laughs> but that's because I didn't know. And that's because my mom raised us, me and my brothers, basically by herself. You know, my mom and dad got divorced when I was five. So I did I didn't know anything other than work, 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 work. Mm-hmm. And so when I went into the military, I was like, well, I got this money. I can spend it. I stay in the barracks. I'll eat in the chow hall. I'm going to get paid again in, in another week and a half. <laughs> week and a half, I do the same thing. But it wasn't until I realized there's more. There's more to life. And when I realized there was more to life, then I had to realize how do I obtain all this more? But n- more importantly, how do I handle the more when it comes? Mm-hmm. Because not knowing how to handle it, I can get it and it can be gone in the blink of an eye. So that's when God just began to show me how to be a good steward. He began to show me how to stewardship. He began to show me how to address the issues that I had. And that's where my book really comes from is addressing the issues that I had growing up because you, I grew up wearing hand-me-downs. I grew up not having the best like everybody else. So when I got older and I was able to have this money, that's what I did. I went and I bought and I bought and I bought and I bought. Mm -hmm. And I had a whole closet full of this, that, and the third. And guess what? I felt good at the moment, but by the time I finished and I was broke. Like, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) it didn't take away, but it was only until I was able to be honest with myself. Mm Mm-hmm and allow God to heal me in those areas, that then he could begin to open the doors to the more that he had for me. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I am. You you said after high school you went right right into the Army. Yes. But was there anything, like, growing up that you kind of, like, that you were um, fascinated with as far as, like, uh, sports or any type of modeling, anything like that? Or did you kind of, or did you know anything, like, have a clue what you wanted to do? No. Transparent again. Me and my best friend, we were going to go away. We was going to South Carolina State College, and we were going to be roommates. That's what we were going to be. 
Well, we fell out in 12th grade. <laughs> <laughs> we fell out in 12th grade. So guess what happened? She's still thinking we going to South Carolina State. I went in the library and took the ASVAB and went to the Army. Mm. <laughs> so going to the military was never on my list. But guess what? I knew I wasn't going to college with her. And I said, I'm going to try something different. And that's what I did. Mm. Did you ever feel like it was any type of pressure leading up to that to kind of figure out what, what exactly what your next move was? There was, no, there was no pressure, but I knew I had to do something. I knew my mama was not just going to let me sit at the house. Right. So I knew I had to do something. And when you've been friends with a person for years, and that's all you've ever talked about, which means that's all you've ever planned for, and then all of a sudden there's a snag in your plan, and I'm like, that day the recruiters was in there, and I was like, well, I can do this. Well, actually, I didn't want to go in the Army. I wanted to go in the Air Force. Mm. I wanted to be an air traffic controller. Well, when I got down there to, um, to MEPS, they checked my vision. They said, you can't do can't that. Do <laughs> <laughs> said, you can't do that. You got to be able to see the planes coming in. Yeah. So I said, okay, I'll go to the Army. So uh, for me, it was almost like a, a, a vision of like, well, I saw my, like I was telling you, my, I saw my parents just get up and go to work all the time. And I was like, well, I ain't ready. I'm not ready to just go to work right after high school just yet. So I was like, man, I guess let me just go to college. So even when I got to college, I really didn't know what I wanted to do just yet. But I was like, well, at least this is going to buy me at least four more years to figure it out. <laughs> buy you a little bit of time. A little bit more time. So I was like, well, let me just go to college. And I just like, man, I, so I took up, hey, I took up computer science and then it was like, the program and stuff, I kind of got burnt out doing that. So then my, by my senior year, I still didn't really know. And then I picked up a minor in, in mass media. So that's when um, at working at Costco, I worked outside at the gas station. I met one of my mentors, Coach Cox. And he used to have all these uh, sports decals like Clemson and Duke and North Carolina and uh, Hornets, Panthers. So I just talked to him, and he gave me an opportunity. I told him I was looking for an internship. He told me to give him a call, so I called him up, and then um, we covered Broom High School football, and I'll never forget, um, towards the end of October, he said, hey, I'm going to ACC Media Day, and um, then after that, interviewing the coaches, we're going to go to the Hornets game. He, he said, you want to go with me? So I was like, yeah, I'll go. And meeting all the coaches that I saw on TV and then going to the Hornets game and then getting the opportunity just to see players that I grew up watching in person, I was like, man, this broadcasting is 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 pretty cool. I was like, I, I definitely feel like I can um, do something in this space. And from that moment on, I was like, let me work towards doing something like that. So that's what kind of like brought about, you know, the podcast and, you know, doing my thing now, working with the Hornets, um, covering some of their games. But just doing that type of stuff like that is kind of like what helped me, you know, create that vision. But at first for me growing up, like I said, it was always just, you know, the from what I saw was just get up, go to work, you go to school, and then after school you get a job, and then you just stay there. And I was just like, to the plant clothes. To the plant clothes. <laughs> yep. Either they gonna walk you out, or, <laughs> or but, you gonna you gonna do your time, get your little gold watch. But that's what that's what for me. I saw my mom work job. She get off one job, go to the other job, and be so tired and that's not really what I wanted to do. I really didn't know that there was more opportunities until I came back from the military 
And when I came back, and then, because I went to college the non-traditional way. I worked during the day, went to college at night. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that's when I started to realize, hmm, it's a little bit more than this out here. Because I started to begin to be exposed to more. Because when I left and went to the Army, I came back. I did my four years. I came back. Okay. And then I went into the Guard for eight years. And so I was like, I was meeting people, but then I started doing the cadet officer training at Walford. I'm like, hmm, kind of like this leadership thing here. It's going to feel pretty good. So when mm-hmm. I was in the Guard, I was in leadership. So that kind of opened up a door for me to say, okay, if they can do it, I can too. But it was still years down the line before I ever really tapped into the leadership. Mm-hmm. People saw leadership potential in me. I just couldn't see it in myself. That's that's another interesting point. You know, a lot of times is where people, even, even jobs do it, though, mm-hmm. as well. It's like they see things in you that sometimes that you don't see in yourself. Why do you think some people have that gift of, like, they can just – just by looking at you or just talking to you sometimes, they'll say, man, you, you can be successful. You have the potential to do something great. Why do you think that is that sometimes some people have that gift of just seeing something in you that you don't see in yourself? I think this is Leslie one-on-one. I think that is, it's one for two reasons. One, it's spiritual discernment, really. Mm-hmm. Two, it's they have been in the same place that that person is. And they can relate and they can connect to that. And so they see it. And if the right person sees it and their motive is right, they're going to try to encourage you. They're going to try to push you to get to that next level because they see that you can. They see that it's in you to be able to do it. I never saw leadership in myself. But my bosses on my job saw it. People that I started dealing with saw it. People in ministry saw it. And I'm just like, nah, just leave me in the background. I'm just a little worker. Just I, I don't like. But it just so happened that there were things that I was just one that, okay. And if you're, if you're a veteran and you've been in the military, you know, the take charge. Hey, we're just going to take charge. We're going to get it done. That's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And so that's, and the military training is what helped cultivate it too. The discipline to be able to do it. The discipline to, okay, keep going, don't quit, don't stop. And so all of that coupled together, along with the ones that encouraged me, the ones that prayed for me, still praying, still encouraging, mm-hmm. the people that have on the sidelines been cheering for me is the reason why I am where I am today is because when I wanted to quit, they wouldn't let me quit. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, God wouldn't let me quit mm-hmm. because there were many Absolutely. a times I was just like, you know what? This is too hard. I don't want to do it. This is yep. too hard because a lot of the times when you start going this way and you start dropping off what you was doing before, dealing with the people you were doing, dealing with before because they're still doing the same, same old thing, things, yeah. then it becomes a lonesome journey. Because it's so that's true. Yeah, because they don't understand yep. 
while you're going this way and we still over here, it becomes a lonesome journey. But God said one thing he said in his word, he never leave you oh, nor forsake you. you. So he Ooh. walked that journey with me. And the closer I got to it, the more I walked it. People on my people on my job, they can tell when when I come into the room. Because when I come into the room, if it's business, I'm all about business. Mm -hmm. And and you know, and I'm going to do the right thing. And I'm going to do the right thing, not just for the bottom line number, not just for a paycheck, but I'm going to do the right thing by the people. Absolutely. Because you, yep. I am a firm believer in you reap what you sow. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah, it's so true. Mm -hmm. I got, you got almost made me want to jump to one of my questions that you was just speaking about. Um, but I, I want to, I want to stick to this. But we definitely gonna to get to something that you um said. But going into going into the army, um. What was it like just being away from home? Like, I know you said you started seeing different things and getting and it gave you a different perspective. But, like, just being at home, being from Union, and then going into the Army, like, what was that like? Was it kind of like a culture shock? Oh, Jesus, yes. <laughs> <laughs> from the small town of Union, um, living a sheltered life, because I was the baby and the only girl. So living a sheltered life, and then all of a sudden, I'm out here in this big world, and I'm like, I just remember the first time when I was at my permanent duty station. I made a few little friends. And a couple of weeks, I was still, you know, I was still weekend come. I'd stay in the room, and I wouldn't go nowhere. And finally, they asked me one night, come on and go out to eat with us. And because living a sheltered life, I told them I would go. I said, but wait a minute, I got to call and ask my mama. And oh, then, man, wrong move. <laughs> wrong move. But then I realized, no, I don't. And that's when I was like, okay, this is a whole new world, Leslie. It's a whole new world. Because mm -hmm. for me, I didn't go out and do it because I never had the freedom to do it when I was home. So I was like, she asked me. She just looked at me kind of funny. You going to do what now? <laughs> I was like, and I was so serious. I got to call and ask my mama if I can go. But then I was like. I ain't got to call. Okay, I can go. And it was just like, okay. But it was a totally different, different, different culture for me. It was a culture shock. Mm -hmm. Because now I'm here on my own. Family is hundreds of miles away. And guess what? What I do? I learned everything that my mom had instilled in me. That's when it came back to play. What to do, what not to do, where to go, where not to go. Mm -hmm. All the stuff that I know she thought I wasn't listening, wasn't paying no attention. Sometimes I wasn't. But <laughs> when I got out there and it was, okay, now you have to make these decisions. Nobody is here to make those decisions for mm -hmm. you. You got to make the decision whether you're going to do the right thing or whether you're going to do the wrong thing. Yep. That's how I was, you know, Going even though I went to upstate right up the road, you know, I, I lived on campus all four years. And even when I was growing up, you know, my brother was two years older than me, but you know, my parents, you know, they still let us go hang out with our friends and everything. But going to college and being on my own and had a had a apartment up here and everything, <laughs> I was like, man, this 
Different now, mm-hmm. but the thing was, it's like your parents not there to wake you up and make mm-hmm. you go to class. You got to have that discipline. So I still remember those things that they instilled in me, you know, going to college. And, you know, they took out loans, and I didn't want to take that for granted. But, man, when you when you in college and you up here by yourself and your people next door to you or your roommates mm-hmm. tell you, hey, we, we getting ready to go out. You trying to go, <laughs> and you know you're supposed to be studying. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of temptation. And it was it like, is. man, and then you have people from all over coming to at one place oh man it was like a different experience so it's like to have that discipline which i'm i know you had that in the military but you know having that discipline and my parents just seeing how hard they were that was like the main thing for me was like okay it's okay to have fun but you still gotta reel it back (laughs) (laughs) yeah i ain't gotta call an accident but you know um if you ain't if you don't have that warm and fuzzy about going don't go Mm -hmm. and then it would just like I would stay up four or five in the morning just for, we would just stay up four or five in the morning just hanging out, chilling. And, and then now I was like, ain't no way I could do it now. Like, if I can make it to 10 o'clock, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good night for me. But, you know, it's just those things, you know, like just having that discipline and understanding. Like, and my mom would always tell us, she said, you know, I love y'all. I'm going to always love y'all. And I raised y'all. Um, I just, I'm going to always just pray for y'all. Like, I done raised y'all the best I could, and that's up to you to make your own decisions. Mm-hmm. Like, I done raised you the best I could. So now it's on you to, you know, you know, be the best person you can and, and, and remember those things that we instilled in y'all. But um, so growing up, did you have anybody or, or in the Army, was there anybody that you grew up that you looked up to, like kind of like a mentor? Growing up, I can say no. When I got into, um, when I enlisted in the Army, I had a drill sergeant. And he was Fort Jackson, Drill Sergeant Davis. And he was an African-American drill sergeant. But he rode he rode me. He did. <laughs> he did. And because, you know, when you go in the military, you got to get these, what they call birth control glasses, big, thick brown glasses. Well, my prescription was, they couldn't do my prescription. <laughs> so I had to wear my regular glasses. So every time he would see me, he'd make me drop and do push-ups. But it was, it was only because he said, because I see greatness in you. He said, so I'm going to ride you. And it wasn't just me. It was like six of us were all African-American women. And he rode us. He rode us. He would he would ride us. We would mm-hmm. be, oh, my goodness. We'd have to pull, oh, CQ duty, everybody else. Like, I just did this the other day. Mm-mm. But I realized the discipline he was instilling in us, the, the drive to don't quit to keep going, the drive to, even though you may be a little different, people may come down hard on you, don't give up, keep going. Mm-hmm. And it was, and it was, and that is what stuck with me, is to, because it was hard for me in the military to pass my PT test. Push-ups, sit-ups, no problem. That two-mile run was not my friend. <laughs> it was not my friend, but he wouldn't let me quit. That first mile, I would run and I'd be good. On that second, that second mile, one. man, somebody better come get me. <laughs> and when he would see me, he would see me slowing down and not about to make my time. I don't, 
He just come out of nowhere. We running, come on. We running, come on. I'm like, I'm tired. Uh-uh. We running, come on. And I would make my time. When we would do PT in the mornings, he said, your partners, your, your team is either going to love you or hate you. I said, why? Because I'm putting you at the front of the line. Said, you know I can't. I said, you know I can't run like that. He said, you're going to set the pace. He said, and if you, you, you get slow, you fall out, everything behind you is going to fall out. Because everything behind you is going to follow what you do. I was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. First time, they were mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it taught me that I can lead the pack. Because everything I'm leading, everything behind me follows me. Mm-hmm. And guess what? I was able to lead the pack. Talk about that that mindset. You know, even mm-hmm. when you you running those miles and you and you almost telling yourself that you can't do it, but then you have somebody pushing you, telling you to keep going and mm-hmm. keep going. From that perspective, just talk about that for people to understand. Like you know, the things that you put in your mind and just to constantly keep pushing yourself. How important is that? You know, to constantly push yourself and to understand that you not understand how important it is the thoughts that you put into your mind. Just like we was talking about earlier, the law of attraction. You become what you think. Mm-hmm. Or as my pastor says all the time, where the mind goes, the body follows. So whatever you're thinking, whatever you're thinking about the most, whatever you're thinking about all the time, whether good, bad, or indifferent, whatever you're feeding yourself, that's what's going to happen. Most people don't believe and don't think that it's true, but it is you listen to a person that talks about they're sick all the time. Oh, I'm so sick. I'm so sick. And eventually sick. they're sick. Mm-hmm. It's because that's what they spoke. That's what they put in their mind. If you plant good seeds, words of posit- positive words, positive thoughts, if you get up every morning and you speak out loud good affirmations over yourself, over your day, over your spouse, your children, over your business, over your finances. Guess what? That's what you're going to get back because that's what you are speaking because the word tells us life and death is in the power power of the the tongue. So whatever you're speaking, that's what's going to come to pass. If you're speaking that you are a successful entrepreneur, if you're speaking that you're in good health, if you're speaking that you're in your right frame of mind, if you're speaking that you're going to have investors come find you, you ain't got to go find them, mm-hmm. and they're going to fund your business. If you're speaking that you're going to have people from the north, south, east, and west, that God is going to place you on their hearts and their minds, and they're just going to want to invest in you and give to you, they don't even know you. What you speak is what you get back. Mm -hmm. And most people don't realize that because, you know, I know this person, they all the time keeps talking about my little check, my little check. I can't do nothing with this little check, this little check. And eventually they really couldn't do anything with that little check because that's what you kept speaking and you kept speaking it and the check didn't go as far as it went Two weeks ago. It didn't mm-hmm. go as far as it went two months ago. But because that's what you were speaking and that's what you were putting in the atmosphere, 
That's why we have to be mindful what we say to ourselves and what we say to other people. Absolutely. But we most importantly have to be mindful of what we let people speak to us. Mm-hmm. Don't just let anybody speak anything to you when you know better. Yep. Well, you know, your business ain't, you know, you just came from a little town of Union. You know, don't nothing good come out of Union. Mm-hmm. It ain't big as nothing. Watch what you say. But yep. we have to be mindful of what we let people say to Ooh. us because those are seeds that are being planted. Because remember, words have power, whether they're good words or bad, or well or bad words. Yep. And that's why it's important for our mindsets to be, that's why you got to feed your mind good things. That's why you got to, the word tells them whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are of good report. Think on these things. And you know, you don't have to get up and quote John 3.16. You don't have, but you, but you do have to know what the words say about you in mm-hmm. order to speak those things. And when you speak those things, I feel better when I get up in the morning and I'm riding down the road. I've had my private time with God, but riding down the road, I'm like, Lord, this is going to be a great day today. Mm-hmm. You've already went before me. You've already paved the way. You've already put my enemies at bay. When I walk into the room, your presence is going to always going to come with me. I'm going to make a change or a difference in somebody's life today, whether by smile or by a kind word. Because Absolutely. guess what? That's how you have to think. You have to. Why do you think our mind for most people automatically just shifts just to the negative, like from the jump. Like like you say, even you have to tell yourself these things at the beginning of the day. And sometimes people just say, oh, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed or they hit their toe or their car didn't start up with something early in the morning and then they let that stuff like that nag them for the rest of the day. But why do you think people just, for a, a lot of people just have these negative thoughts just from the get go? Like it's almost like it's just programmed into their brain. This again, Leslie 101. I believe that it happens is because a lot of people don't know anything else. There's a root cause for everything as to why we do what we do. And a lot of the time it can be a bad experience at childhood. A lot of times it can just be something bad happened along the way. And They've never got healed of it. They've never let it go. And it has just grown with them. Because one thing we fail to realize is when you have a traumatized experience or a bad experience and you don't address it and you don't get healed from it and you don't get to the root of it, you can grow in age. You can be 50, 60 years old, but you are still that hurt little person Mm To whatever incident happened to you at the age of five, age of 10, you're still that hurt little person until that little girl gets healed or little boy gets healed from that moment at that time as to what happened to them. Guess what? That's where you still are. You're still growing on the outside. You're still getting older, but that still hurt little person is still needing to be healed. So that's why a lot of the things, a lot of trauma, a lot of things that people encounter in their lives and it just grows up with them, makes them bitter, makes them don't want to love nobody, make them mistrust people, don't want to forgive people. One thing that I learned and I learned through a very tragic, very tragic incident is that forgiveness is not for the other person. 
Forgiveness is for me. Mm -hmm. And when we learn to forgive the people that have hurt us, to let go of the past, then we free our own selves. The locks and the chains that we've had on ourselves, we free ourselves. Because the person that you don't want to forgive, that person that went on with their life, that person half the time living. don't even remember what they said or what they did. But you remember it just like it was yesterday. Forgive. Mm. Get your life back. Don't give nobody else that much control or power over you. Mm-hmm. But when you forgive somebody, it's the best thing. I want to say it's the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> but it is the best. Makes you feel free. It does free you. Because now it's not up. It's not up to you and that person. It's up to you and whoever that person believe in. Mm. You freed yourself. And I tell you, I learned that. Back in, who, 1994, when my brother was murdered, my oldest brother Mm. was murdered, and the guy that murdered him, he picked at us and he taunted us, taunted at us in the courtroom, and I was so angry, I was so angry, and then he ended up getting death row. But then you know how the law is. Judge goes out. He can overturn so many cases. Case was overturned. And he ended up getting life. Mm. But before he got that life sentence, we had our final court. It was in Rock Hill. I'll never forget it. And the judge asked if any, because he killed two people that night, Mm. asked if anybody wanted to say anything, if any of the family members wanted to say anything. And God had been dealing with me. And when I told him, I called him, I addressed him by his name. I even called him Mr. Mm. And I told him, I said, we forgive you. I said, now, whatever comes to you is not between you and us. It's between you and God. Mm -hmm. But when I told him that I forgave him, he hollered. He hollered out because you already in your own torment. You're already in your own torment. And that's when I truly learned the power of forgiveness. I was going to ask you that as well. I felt like you almost just looked at the paper. It was, I was going to ask you about, for you, like one of your lowest points in your life. Would you say, you know, that situation with your brother, I would imagine that probably had to be one of the, the lowest moments. That was. That was the, that was the lowest, lowest point because I just... I just came home from the military. I just got out. And I'm just like, I didn't know why when my time was up that I didn't re-enlist. I'm like, mm, I'm gonna just gonna come on home. I'm gonna come on mm-hmm. home. And I came home in April. He was murdered in June. Mm. And it was, it was a horrible, horrible thing not just for our family, but for the other families involved. But God carried us and he kept us through all of that, even even till today, because my big brother was my protector. Wow. You know, he was, he was the oldest grandchild. 
of all the grandkids, he was the oldest. He was the protector of everybody. And when my protector was gone, you know, I still had my, my middle brother, but I felt like I was his protector. Right. But, <laughs> but with him gone, it took, it took a while for me to even want to go outside to feel safe. Because mm. I felt my my protection was gone. If something if something was to go wrong, you know, I could always call my brother. My brother got my back. When I was in the military, he was like, nah, I need to know where my sister at. He got in the car and drove all the way to Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, man. Drove for, he's, he only stayed a night. He said, I, he said, I just needed to see you was okay. Mm. So that was, that was, that was one of the lowest. Did that, you know, just, just sticking with this though, um, I just love how this conversation is going. Did did that just when that happened? Did that make you question your faith and just ask God, like, why? Why did He take your brother away? I did. I did because it was a it was a senseless murder. My brother never knew what happened. My brother was at work. He got a phone call from the girl he was dating to come over. He wasn't going over there that night because he had already called my mama. He said, I'm coming home. Can I borrow $20? <laughs> so he, was, he wasn't going over there, but he got, the, he got a message from her to come over. Well, they were already having family issues he didn't know anything about because he was at work. Right. You know, back then, you know, everybody had no cell oh, phone yeah. to call right. nobody. So he got the note from the secretary at, at his job. He went over there. He pulled up just like a regular pull up. He pulled up and got out the car. He was walking down the walkway. He got to the second step. The, the gentleman came from behind the house, shot him in the back of the head, never knew what hit him. Oh, man. Never knew. Mm. And then he went into the house and he proceeded to kill his wife who was in the bed, kill her. Then he proceeded to unload his gun on the stepdaughter. Then when he realized he had not killed her, he got a knife to go to kill the two grandchildren that was in the bed. Because mm. he was intended to leave no witnesses. But when he went back into the bedroom, he heard the stepdaughter go out the back door. Mm. So he was on the run for two days. That's awful. Oh man. So it changed it changed everything. Mm. It, cha it changed it changes everything. I tell my husband all the time, I said, you know if my brother was here, you know you wouldn't he wouldn't have let you marry me, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it it changed it changed everything. Right. So even even after all these years, it's it's been it's getting close to thirty years mm -hmm. now. Like, how do you deal with that that grief now? It's like I always say, you know, it's like you never, you never can really get over it. You just try to have, you try to just learn to, to deal with it. But like, how do you deal with that, the loss of your brother now, even though getting close to 30 years? I deal with it thinking about the good times. I don't dwell on that one moment mm -hmm. because that was a moment. It wasn't my life. It was just a moment. It was a moment that happened. I had 19 years with him. So it was, it was, no, I had 20 years with him. It was, a, it was just a moment. So therefore, for me, when me and my brother get to talking, we, we talk about the good times. We remember the good times. We don't remember that moment. Right. 
you know, I sit here and I'm talking to you now and this is his chain. This is the mm. chain that I bought him. Oh my goodness. Back in 1991 <laughs> that I bought him. Mm. So that was, that was the one thing that I asked for and I've kept it ever since. And for like seven years, I wouldn't take it off. So now as I've healed, I take it off and I'll wear something else and you know, but we focus on the good, not the bad. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, you know, dealing with the loss of your brother, you know, getting getting out of the army, like what was like those next steps after that? Whew. The next steps after that was trying to get my bearing and my footing. And got my first civilian job. I was working at an insurance company. And because I'm a people person, I love people. But I didn't stay there long because I don't believe in trying to make people buy something they can't afford. Mm-hmm. And they, I mean, just so you can have a policy. No, I didn't believe in that. Right. So then I got my next first real job. I had few in between, but my next real job <laughs> <laughs> was at, um, actually was at Xerox. And I was working at a site, and one of the gentlemen, actually the VP at that site, he said, I want to offer you a job. And I said, I already got a job. And he was like, no, I want you to work for us. I said, well, what you want me to do? And he said, well, it's a created position. It's not a real. I said, well, when you get a real position, (laughs) (laughs) you get a real position, then you call me back. And... Lo and behold, it was like two years later. Got a real position. He couldn't call me. He had somebody else call me and told me to come in and interview. And I went there and I worked. And that's where I learned a lot. I learned a lot of skills. I learned a lot of people skills, a lot of business skills. It's because he kind of took me under his wing and he kind of showed me things. But also, I learned things. I learned things that I, as an African-American woman, didn't know, didn't understand how it worked. I learned how people have been doing certain things for years, but we as African-Americans didn't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. Prime example, my best friend there, she got married. And she was um, talking to me about her dad, and she said, yes, she said, my dad paid for our wedding, and he gave us $10,000 as a down payment on a house. I said, huh? Wow. You know, we don't see that happen as African-Americans. Not too often. And, you know, she began to tell me. And I said, she said, no. She said, my dad has been saving for this day for me all my life. I said, what are you talking about? She said, he sold insurance. She said, he would take out policies on me and my brother. When we were young, let them mature. Just let them sit there and mature. He said, when I needed my first car, he cashed one in, paid for my car. Hmm. Got ready to get married, cashed them in, paid for my wedding. We needed a house, down payment, his gift to us, cashed them in, gave us the $10,000. So from the time she was an infant, he had been preparing for that day to where he didn't have to come up off all that money at one at time. At one time, yeah. And so I was like, wow, 
And that's when, no matter what, I made sure I had insurance. I made sure I had health insurance. I made sure I had life insurance. Because that's when the wheels got to turning. So that's so that's that's what they do. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they do. <laughs> so guess what? I said, okay, all right. And then I was talking to the same friend, and she said her mom worked at the bank. And that's when she just began to tell me. She said, don't let what you see fool you. She said, my mom works at that bank on Pelham Road. And my mom sees those housewives come in there every single week, and they're living off credit cards. They got the big, nice houses, mm. but the houses are empty because mm. they're living off credit cards. And I'm sitting up here, and I'm learning stuff nobody's ever told me or ever spoken to me, you know, because I never knew about, you know, going and, and signing on the dotted line of a 200 something thousand dollar house or 300 something thousand dollar house. You know, we always see the outside, but we never know awesome. actually what's going on on the inside. That's so true. And that's mostly what a lot of people want us to see, the fine house, the nice clothes, the nice cars. But if you never get invited over, you and you never, and you always see them changing calls. Just say something going on. Something going on. Yeah. But they, they, I got, I got schooled a little bit, and so now, I mean, insurance is, as one of my friends told me, she said, insurance is not for the dead; it's for the living. And a lot of times we don't have those type of conversations, especially mm -hmm. in our community. In, anything that has something to do in regards to money, like what I. And our with our community, like it's like we get we draw up about mm -hmm. it. We don't we don't want people to know how much you make or right. about any of that type of stuff. We don't talk about like investments or stocks. I there's some guys that I work with. Um, a lot of them say, hey, one of the guys I work with, he was saying, we get ready to graduate. He said, man, my dad gonna give me you know uh, some acres of land and build a house on and all this type of stuff. And I'm like, man, a lot of times, man. Black black kids, we don't we don't have that kind of stuff handed down to us. We just, we got to go out here and, and just go to work and get a job. But a lot of times, our family they just raising us to survive, working to survive, mm -hmm. working and just paying bills. We don't know about all this stuff and having anything you know passed down for generations. Like I said, that you know those financial lessons we didn't really learn that mm -hmm. type of stuff even in school. But in the, of course, if it's not learned in school, like a lot of times our family. They don't know what they don't know, so they can't really teach us as well. So in that situation, it's kind of hard for us as African-Americans. Like, not saying we can let that hold us down, but still, like, we did have, like, a disadvantage, you know, trying to learn this type of thing. Now that we have, you know, event, uh, social media and stuff, you know, it's still uh, a work in progress. Though. Yes, but we're getting there. We're getting there. But we have to realize, we, we really, really have to realize, and I was having a um, – a conf uh, conference call the other day with three other um, three other people and we were all talking about home ownership and you know getting people to the place to where as they can stop renting and they can have their own homes and 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 the gentleman on the phone he said well you know getting a home is not the hard part it's keeping it keeping is the hard part because most people just like you say we, they haven't been taught money management haven't been taught how to put your priorities in order you know for most people the latest pair of jordans that that come out and when i would see those people in line i said how many of these people took off work missed work called in 
for Don't a pair of shoes. It happens all the time. And then next week, they rent due, they light bill due, they water, they water bill due. And I'm like, wait a minute. Our priorities are wrong. And when our priorities are wrong, everything else is wrong. And so the first thing is, well, and I'm just going to, I believe in being transparent. Well, you know, I can go out here and I can get on Section 8 and I can stay in this apartment for $100 a month and I can still get what I want. And that's the trap. That's the trap. That's the trap. Because once you get in that trap and once you get there, you cannot get out unless you a strong will to get out. And it is, it is, it is a trap. Mm -hmm. Because one thing I learned when I worked in the finance business, the one thing I learned is if you put nothing in, Uncle Sam ain't going to give you nothing out. Mm -hmm. So the only thing he going to give you is that 600 and something dollar Social Security. Who can live off $600 a month? That ain't nothing. That's nothing. Nothing. So it was a trap from the beginning, and we've just continued to stay in the trap because it's easy, it's convenient, and we think, we think we're getting over, but we're not getting over. They're getting over on us. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to educate ourselves. We've got to really, we've got to read. Get off social media. Pick up a book. Who reads it? I mean, pick up a book. Pick up to. a book. You wanna you wanna know how to start a business and be successful? Pick up, Pick a, book. up a book. Start reading leadership books. And not to cut you off, but I say this all the time, like on my timeline, and I, I try I don't let it get to me, but one of the things I see all the time on social media is what's good to watch on Netflix. I see it all the time. What's a, what's something good to watch? What's a good TV show? And I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and uh we was talking about something and and I mentioned some show, and, and she was just like, yeah, this person been off of this show for years. I'm like, well, you already know. I don't, like, I don't even know. I'm all the way out the loop. I was like, don't even ask me anything about what's good to watch because I have no clue. Like, I watch – I'm not going to say I don't watch anything, but just some of the shows. And, like, for me, it's hard for me to just, you know, sit down for hours and just invest so much time into one show. For one, like, I still have things I'm working towards, but – I see people all the time, like, they, they complain about a job and, like, that's who's hiring and complaining about the stuff that goes on at the job. But at the same time, they still want to know what's good to watch on TV. So how can you get where you're trying to go, with, but if you complain about your job, but then at the same time want to know what's good to watch? Like you said, pick up a book. i tell you one of the books that, that changed, the first book that changed my mind was like what sparked my mind was when I wrecked my car and I went to a dealership and the guy told me to pick up Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And when I read that book, this was after I graduated college, but there's literally the book that made me really just start questioning a lot of stuff that we was taught in school and everything and, and just some of the lessons that my family taught us was stuff that they didn't even know. And I was just like, man, I feel like we're playing the wrong game. Like, we're learning something totally different. Mm -hmm. Like, instead of the stuff that they teaching us in school, like, it's a lot of stuff that was in that book. That, that was the first one that just sparked my mind and made me just question a lot of things, especially financial mm -hmm. and financial advice. And like I said, a lot of times those teachers, the professors that we have in school, like, even when it comes to business, they don't have businesses, but they, they teaching us about money. And mm -hmm. sometimes they they still in the financial bond they own self. Mm -hmm. So when I read that book, 
that was the one that was like, hold up now, something something a little bit off mm-hmm. right here. And it's like we just playing playing the wrong okay. game. Because I know I just finished an entrepreneurial, NEA entrepreneurial boot camp. It was a nine-week course. And that was one of the books that they told us to get to read. And that's why I smile when you yeah. said it. <laughs> and you just said something about the people that are teaching us, the people that are that they're still in binds and change themselves. The one thing about this course that I liked was the fact that all of the instructors were actual successful entrepreneurs themselves. So they were they were able to tell you the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, the ins and the outs of the business in the area that they were proficient in because they've been there and they're doing it. And one of the questions that um Dr. Allen asked us, she asked us was why did we, what, when we graduated, because you, we had to take an exam Mm -hmm. at the end of the nine weeks to be certified. So it wasn't, oh, I just do it and they give you, no, Dr. Allen don't play that way. (laughs) She don't play like that. But she wanted to know why we chose the course to take and what did we gain from it. And why, what was the most impactful thing about the course? And the most impactful thing that I told her was that the instructors that you had teaching us was actual successful entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. themselves. It wasn't somebody that, okay, I got a degree, but my finance is still all jacked up. I'm sleeping in my car. You don't know that, but I'm going to come in here and tell you what to do. Right. So it was, that was... That was, and she is an African American lady, and she create she created the whole curriculum and everything for the NEA, and they partner with Dale and Comerica Bank. Man, it's it's so important. I I never forget before I changed um before I changed my mind. I had a minor in business at the beginning when I went to Upstate, and I remember we had a I had a class right here over here at the George, and I'll never forget we went in one of our classes, and the professor was talking to us. And he was like, man, I'm. A hundred, I got a oh a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt. He was, and then he was telling us he's he like it wasn't even worth going for what he went for. So I'm like, man, he telling us this type of stuff. So that's that's a that's a red flag mm-hmm. right there. And you know me, like I said, when I tell him about the, my book and everything, you know, when the title "F School Life Is Your Best Teacher." It's not telling anybody not to go, but when you read my book, you understand what I'm saying because I have a college degree, and for me. I look back, knowing what I know now, looking back, before jumping right into college, like I would say, I would, I tell people, my advice, um, do what you want to do, but from a college perspective, from a college graduate perspective, I would go, if I, if you find, if you think you're interested in something, try to find somebody in that field and go shadow them before you go out here to go to college and, and spend three, four, five, three, four years, however long it's take you to finish, go shadow them and learn up under them because you can learn so much more just being hands-on mm-hmm. than sitting in a classroom. So yes. I'm going to go follow somebody that's that is that's in a field that I'm interested in. I'm going to go follow them and shadow them and learn up under them. And if you got, have to go to college, then go. And of course, doctors and lawyers, teachers, they have to go. But if it's somebody that you can go to, go learn up under them regardless. Because the best, like I said, life is your best teacher. So if you can go in and learn something hands-on, that's going to be much more beneficial than you know, sitting in a classroom trying to learn something. Well, and, and it's funny that you say that because I did a presentation yesterday with um, 
the chair of a of a college and the instructor over the um the transportation department for the college that trains you on how to get your CDLs. And mm-hmm. we were talking about that because I presented to them my curriculum for dispatching, teaching dispatching. And I said, because one thing we have to do now is we have to think outside the box. Most students, most students that make it out of high school, most of them ain't want to go back and do four, four five, nope. six more years of school. I said, this is a whole different generation. I said, if COVID taught a lot, COVID taught a lot of people a lot of things how to make your side hustle your main hustle. Mm-hmm. And you, you've you got, they've got so many creative ideas roaming around up here, but they just don't know what to do with them. They don't know where to start. They don't know how to start. And you gave the prime example. Find somebody in that field. Ask them if you can shadow them to see if this is something that you want to do. When I started going to college, my, my degree was education. I've always wanted to be a teacher. Honey, when I had to go do that student teaching, <laughs> and they sent me to nothing, nothing against, nothing against the special ed class, nothing against them. Kudos to the teachers that can do it. Mm-mm. That's a lot of work. I went two days. That third day, they said, you're coming back. No, ma'am, I'm changing my major. I ain't doing yeah. this. I don't No, no, no. Because th- life, going there was the best teacher teacher for me Mm -hmm. and it wasn't the fact that i wanted to teach special ed but because i had to do a special ed for student teaching Mm -mm. nope this ain't what i Mm -hmm. want you come mm -mm, ain't going back i'm going to the council i'm gonna change i'm find something and i switch because i realized no that's not for me right there but i am a teacher by nature Mm -hmm. and i do teach i do teach that that's who i that's who I am. Even on my job now, I just started up a a new job a, at a new job site for my company. What's today? Thursday. I started it up Tuesday, and when one of the um, managers came over yesterday, and they were like, "Well, aren't you?" I said, "No." I said, "I train them." I said, "They know what to do." I said, "That's how you you train them. You show them what to do. Then you give them the opportunity." to advance and to grow. If they got issues, I'm right here. But they but that's how you do. You mm-hmm. give them the tools they need to succeed. That's what you give them. I don't mind sharing anything that I know with anybody because if I can't help you, I'm not going to hurt you. Absolutely. We got a few more questions. Uh, well, I have a lot more questions. But I, I, I want to keep you here all day because this is a great conversation. I will be in here all, all day, you know, having this conversation. But at what point did you feel like you were finally, like, ready to just be a leader? At that point when, honestly, I'll tell you, when I started ministering, Mm -hmm. that's the best way to lead. I ran from that calling for years. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what was I. mm Mm-mm. And God is so funny. Nobody can't tell me he ain't got a sense of humor. He does. He has a great sense of humor. But I was running and I was running and I could. And it got to the point nothing tasted right. I lost weight. I didn't even look right. I couldn't get my hair to lay right. (laughs) And it was finally till I accepted the call that was on my life. And that's when I began. That's when I knew I was called to lead. I was called to teach. I was called to lead. I was called mm. to lead others. And 
it's been ongoing ever since. What do you think it was that made you run away from that calling? Because that's a heavy responsibility to mm -hmm. know that the very words that you say or the very life that you live could determine whether someone comes to Christ or walks away from Christ. Mm -hmm. That's a heavy, that's a heavy, that's a heavy task. And I never want to get before him when he calls me home and I did something or said something to someone and turned them against him. And now I got to stand before him with their blood on my hands. Mm. So no, that was not an easy. That was not an easy. Say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do it tomorrow. Mm -mm. No, that, that was not because that's that's it's an honor and a privilege to be chosen, but it's a heavy responsibility. Mm -hmm. And that is a responsibility that I don't take. I don't take lightly. Do you feel like it's somewhat pressure? You know. To, to, to be a minister because, you know, of course, people are always going to talk, but if, it feels like in a sense that people hold ministers to a, a higher standard than anybody else. Do you feel like it's any type of added pressure for you? Sometimes, but ministers, preachers, pastors, evangelists, they're held to a higher standard because remember back in the old days, the slavery days, that's all they had. And that's what most of the people looked up to. They looked up to the pastor. Mm -hmm. The pastor was the example. The pastor was the one that could read and read the Bible to them. So it is, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a high place, but it's also a humbling place. It's a very humbling place. Because when you completely surrender your will to God's will, he has complete control. He can either have complete control or you can take control of yourself. I, I, I just choose to surrender and give right. it to him. But it's a very humbling place because I remember one of my best friends. I wasn't even preaching then. I, wasn't even, I hadn't even accepted the call, but he was still working. I remember on our lunch break, I just went to the Christian supply store about a couple of days ago and bought me a new Bible. We went to lunch that day. She got saved in the back seat on our mm. lunch break. And I was, I'll never, I'll never forget it. And I was just like, little old me. Lord, you know I ain't perfect. Little old me. And I, and even when I talk to her, even today, we talk about it and she's still walking the walk. And I'm just like, God, I thank you. I thank you for allowing me to witness you do the work in her life. Because I'm, I'm just a willing vessel. I'm your hands, your mouthpiece, mm -hmm. your feet. I'm just a willing vessel. But when I tell you that's something that you'll never forget. And when he operates in you and through you, through your living. You can tell people you love Jesus all day long. It ain't what you say, it's how you live. Absolutely. And that's what they're watching. And so that's what makes me forever mindful. That's why I say forgiveness was for you, not for them. Because when you hold unforgiveness, one, God can't use you like he wants to, but two, your actions don't line up to what you say because you act out of a place of hurt, a place of bitterness.
He needs you acting out of a place of love and compassion. Yeah, absolutely. How do you handle moments now? Of course, even as a minister, everything is not going to be perfect. Um, like You're not going to have your best days every day. But how, how do you handle moments now when, um, when you, you feel like your faith is, is being tested? How do you handle those moments? Kind of like, kind of like Monday. Oh, how I handle the moments. I call it the movie. He plays the movie for me. And the movie for me is when Leslie wants to act up. When Leslie <laughs> wants to say what Leslie feels and how she feels, he plays the movie for me. And that movie is he allows me to see it play out. Yeah, go ahead, say what you're going to say. Do what you want to do. Go ahead and do it. But this is what's going to happen after you do it. This is what's going to happen. What you think is going to happen, you think you're going to feel better. You're not going to feel better. You're going to feel worse. Because now the very person in the corner that was about to come to me, because they've been watching you, now they've just seen you act up. Now they ain't going to come. And they're going to actually go the opposite direction. And you, you know, people say, oh, I wish I could just give them a piece of my mind. Just tell them off. Is it really going to make you feel better? So he plays that movie for me. Mm -hmm. And when he plays that movie, five, five seconds, plays that movie, I'm like, okay, Lord, I got to give it back to you. I got to get back in. I got to get back in my right frame of mind. He says, be angry, but sin not. I say, I'm angry right now. I ain't happy right mm -hmm. now. And that's how I, that's how I that's how, that's our conversation that's our relationship. I ain't happy right now because you know. But when I realize, you know what, God, you do know. You know what you did see it. You know what you already knew before I knew that it was gonna happen. So guess what? You got it. Absolutely. And that's what I have to remember is no matter what, He got it. Absolutely. I, I you know, I always tell people, you know, for me. Um, like when we, we talk, we have certain conversations. Like I don't, I I don't try to force my beliefs on anybody, mm -hmm. but I, you know, I talk to them and they ask me about everything that I've I've accomplished, and I tell them, man, it's just for, for me, it's God. And I was like, man, I just, you know, step out on faith. And I I, I want to let you touch on this um, first, but just talk to people and just tell them how important like has has faith been for you on your journey. Faith has been very important. Faith is all I have. Because when I stepped out to be a life coach, I'm like, how do I do this? Because, you, because the one thing I've realized is when you start walking in a lane, then that's when you start noticing, that's about 30, 45,000 other people doing the same thing. But one thing God has showed me in being who I am, be you. And that was the name of my, was the name, is the name of my coaching just be you just be you because nobody else can be you there's only one you we don't serve a cookie cutter god there's only one carlos mm -hmm. nobody else can be All you right. nobody else can do the things that you do and so having the faith to know that he equipped me with everything that i need to succeed in this life he equipped me before I was ever born. He placed everything inside of me that I would ever need. That he knew that this day was going to come. He knew that I was going to get from point A to point B. 
He knew I was going to accept the call. He knew I was going to step out. He knew I was going to trust him. Even when times get dark, I still trust him. Mm -hmm. Even when I want to walk away and throw up my hands, because I tell my Lord, I just can't do this no more. I'm just, I just, it right. just, it's then got hard. I didn't got stressed out. But you know what he does? Somebody will call. Somebody will send a text. Something will pop up. A verse will pop up. A prayer will pop mm -hmm. up. And it's just a reminder. Keep going. I got you. That's, and that's, that's why I talk about faith because that's how I was, you know, for, for a while, just being honest. I, I thought from a perspective of like just a, a lack of abundance because you know for me I was like man I'm well I'm I'm starting a podcast I'm 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 doing interviews and I've been doing this for five years now but I'm like man I only think like in the beginning like I would look at people online I'm like well this person is all the way across the country no way they're gonna try to talk to me like no way they're gonna sit down and have a conversation with me and then I was like well I'm doing all these local interviews well. What's gonna happen when I run out of people? Like, man, I won't have nobody to talk to. And I was just thinking, like, in a lack of abundance, like, man, I'm gonna just run out. But one thing led to another, and you know, more and more people would just reach out, and and then I started interviewing people in Charlotte and Atlanta, and then it started going growing to New York. I've been to Miami and Vegas and California, and I'm like, man, this. I can't. I ain't doing this by myself. Mm -hmm. This this God right here. This yes, is God yeah. working. And even when I showed you the flyer with mm -hmm. all these places, like I had never been on a plane until three years ago when I flew to Jacksonville, Florida, for the first time. I was 28 years old, and I'm like, man, this ain't. I'm doing all of this stuff, and I'm from Jonesville, little little Jonesville. <laughs> and I'm like, man, you got God is guys like God. You got this kid from Jonesville flying on planes mm -hmm. now. And then what was crazy was. Like I was telling you, I interviewed the founder of Reebok, and I'm like, the guy who actually created this shoe, I was like, that, this ain't me by myself. Like, I know I'm walking with God on this journey because there's no way possible that I'm I'm doing the things that I'm doing. And, and not saying that he, I'm not talented or anything. I put in the work in my craft, but it's like, you can't do none of this stuff without God. It's, it's no way possible that, that I can sit here and have a conversation with you today. And like, my mentor, Ben, would always tell me, he said, you you meet people through the vessel and and he spoke about you know being obedient and just having that obedience like i was telling you earlier like he went through a time where he said he was just he was celibate and like he's he cut out all distractions and he and when he learned to you know put all that time and energy that he took away from all those other things and put it into baking cakes and he's and he didn't know that it was going to be cakes at the beginning but when he learned to serve god and be obedient like i was saying the first interview we shot was at his house and it was called One Man, One Stove. It's on his stove, <laughs> baking cakes. And it went from, from that to, you know, having a storefront. And he's saying, this is how you know this is faith, is because he said, every morning I wake up and I'm obedient because when I'm baking cakes, I'm just showing God that I'm being obedient doing my part baking cakes. I can't control who's coming in buying these mm -hmm. cakes. He said, I'm just doing my part by baking these cakes and putting them in stores and God is sending people here to buy them. Like I'm just doing my part of just serving and being obedient. And then God comes and send the people. So when I look at these interviews that I'm doing, like I look at it the same way as like, I'm just doing my part of just, you know, having a platform. I always wanted to be a voice for the voiceless. So God is just constantly sending people my way to share their stories. And I'm something like, I'm so thankful for it. Like I get chills talking about it now because it's like, <laughs> 
it's like how how does it keep happening? But I like I know it's not me by myself. That's just God working through me. And like I said, I just want to do my part to serve and like stay obedient and stay on the right path as well. And that's that's what he does because you know they say faith. He says faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. You just do your part. He didn't. You know, he didn't call you to do the whole thing. You got a tiny part to play. When you play that part, he's going to do the rest. Mm-hmm. Because when we, my husband and I stepped out to do our trucking, it was a step, a leap of faith. It was a complete leap of faith. We didn't, we didn't think that we would end up being owner-operators. We didn't think we would end up being where we are today mm-hmm. we just want to start out doing dispatching and at first i'm like i don't know nothing about no dispatching i don't <laughs> want to do that and so then i was out for i had surgery and i was out of work for 12 weeks i was home and he brought it up again he said well you ain't got nothing but time he said go on um go on youtube university and go to google <laughs> google academy mm-hmm. and learn i was like okay well whatever and then when I started doing it, I was like, okay, I can I can learn. I can do that. I kind of got a little interested. And then I bought a course, dispatching course. And I was like, mm, no, I need a person. I need a real person. And when I found, and, and I kid you not, when I found my mentor, it was like she popped up on Facebook and I inboxed her. I'd never seen her. I'd never seen her her advertising before. And within three hours of talking to her and training with her, I was like, I'm ready to go. I can do this. And guess what? I said, okay, Lord, we going to do it. And one thing with me in our business is I believe in treating people how I want to be treated. And that is what has set us apart. I don't care if there's a hundred dispatchers out there. My style of dispatching is different than anybody else. And that is what has opened the doors because our principles, our business is founded on faith. Our name is kingdom. We represent the kingdom. And so when we stepped out, we started dispatching, started getting drivers from here, there, from everywhere. Drivers would come, drivers would go. And then I started building relationships. I started building relationships with these mega companies, these mega businesses. And next thing I know, I had one guy, he said, we get new people all the time. He said, do you mind if I refer you? Okay. And he started referring new drivers, owner operators to me. Mm. And I'm like, okay, he, he just playing, right? Next thing I know, I get at even till to still today, I get at least four or five referrals a week. Mm-hmm. I can't take them all. So my dispatching students, they complete my course, I give them their first driver. Cause I I mean, it's enough out mm-hmm. here for everybody. But how I handle myself, how I carry myself, integrity, character, communication, good customer service, that is what opened the door for everything Mm -hmm. else. But all of those are just biblical attributes. Mm -hmm. Being honest, treating people right, talking to people like they are a person, talking to them, not at them. That is 
that's just biblical principles. Yeah. I don't have to say, I can talk to you and have a conversation with you, and I can be talking about Jesus all day long, and I don't have to say his name. But it's in all in how the presentation of him, which that's what we are. We're all his representatives. Mm-hmm. And so in the business, we're his representatives, and that's what we do. And so he opened the door little by little. He opened the door for us to buy our own truck. He opened the door for me to be able to teach dispatching. He has now opened the door. I can't say it yet, but he has (laughs) opened the door for a college to partner with me, for me to Mm. take my dispatching course inside the classrooms. So he has opened the doors for me in so many areas. And I'm just like, yeah, it's him. He opened Mm -hmm. the door for my husband to be able to walk away from his job and to work for himself, which is working for our company, being a driver. Mm -hmm. So he has opened the doors in so many ways by the obedience and just trusting him. And and you were willing to do your part, like I was saying. You were willing to do your part, and you were willing to serve. So God is constantly sending people your way. And one thing you said earlier was about faith without works is dead. A lot of times I think people can feel like if they just pray, then that's it. And you don't have to do any kind of work. Can you talk about that, about, you know, you know, praying and having faith, but also just putting in the work um, and, and just not relying on just a, a prayer? Or, can you talk about that? Yes, because I, I that and it's funny you you mentioned that because I have to explain that to people a lot of the times. It's like, well, I pray, I pray, and I'm waiting on God, and I'm waiting on God, and I'm waiting on God. Yeah, but do you not realize God waiting on you? He's He's waiting on you to take that first step. You're You're waiting on Him to pave the way so you will know I'm doing the right thing. But He's waiting on you to trust him even when you can't see the next step, even when you don't know what the next step is. He says he's going to guide you. So he's waiting on you to take him at his word. All I need Mm. you to do is trust me. You trust me, I already got it prepared for you. But you got to trust me enough to get to to walk it out. There's a, there's a, um, it's a picture. It doesn't have, doesn't have any words, but it's just a picture of a little girl that doesn't want to give up her little bitty teddy bear. And then there's Jesus, and behind his back, he has a bigger teddy mm. bear. But she doesn't want to give up the little one she has, but he can't give her the big one till she trusts him enough and gives up the little one. So the same is with us. He's got greater for us, but we've got to give up the little that we have mm-hmm. so he can enlarge our territory and give us more, which means we've got to be obedient, we've got to have faith, and we got to trust him. But we also have to be a good steward over the little that he's given us. Mm-hmm. You know, we see so many times people like, if I just had a million dollars or if I just had this and had that, but guess what? You don't have that yet because he's still in them trusting phases with you with what you have now. Mm-hmm. Because when you watch the news and you see people, they go from rags to riches overnight. And guess what? A year, two, three years later, they broke. They broke. Yep. Because he gives us what we're able to handle. And as we continue to trust him, then he can give us more. 
mm-hmm. because he knows we can handle more. But if we never trust him and step out on faith and we're never willing to give up the little, he can't give us more. Absolutely. Oh, we, t- we talk about this. You just hit a nail on the head. Like we talk about a lot of this. We got so and men of vision. We were talking about that. And, you know, Ben would always talk to us and, and uh, Minister Sinclair was saying something. We have to be faithful over the few before mm-hmm. we can be ruled over mm-hmm. many. And all, and they also talk about, you know, you know, just having having that faith. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you know, having this job and. Sometimes, like, well, Ben, even I'm gonna just bring back to me again. So Ben would say things like, "Man, yeah, you're doing a lot of great things, but you so you you hanging on to this job like this, but it's like you're not fully trusting God to show you to like to let Him bring you all the way through. It's like, yeah, God, I trust you and I believe you, but I'm gonna still hang on to this job <laughs> just in case. Get off my toes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like just in case, it's like, but you when you fully just. Let go, like you're really holding yourself back, thinking that this is just like this secure and safe place. But at the end of the day, that still can be taken away mm-hmm. too. But it's like, man, when you finally just let go and just go all the way in, all in, then he's like, man, you gonna realize, man, you don't even, you don't realize, like, why didn't I do this sooner? Like, I've just been holding myself back, <laughs> and 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 I'm, I'm just bringing that back to myself because I'm like, man, I've been, uh, because I've been going through some things, and um, just like I said, being transparent, like you were saying. Like I uh I got to a point at, just at work where um just a couple of weeks ago you know I was full time and um it was crazy because it's like I said people take man you you got a great job why would you leave or it's gonna be hard to replace this type of money so I went from full time and I was just like even yeah I'm making full time but I just still feel like I'm just you know just waiting till the next check just get them by so then I finally um I was like you know what it ain't, it's never gonna be a perfect time to do anything so. I I went from full time. I dropped down from full time to part time. I was like, I just want to dedicate more time to you know um, my business. And um, so the manager asked me like, when did you want to start? I said, whenever y'all ready. So I said, we'll start you on part time next week. The day after I turned the letter in, I got a um, I got a phone call from a guy that I was that I um, met when I was covering the horn. He said, hey man, we got something going on. Um, it's, it's in the works right now. It's a, a contract. They getting ready to work out. Said we want you to um, help us cover HBCU football. So we we have you doing some games with South Carolina State. This is my first time actually even saying this. And um, hang on one second. We'll be right back. This is the Cross the Line Podcast. So welcome back to the Cross the Line Podcast. We had to take a quick break. So so I got that phone call, and he's like, Hey, we want you to cover um, help us cover South Carolina State football. So I'm like, All right, cool. So this is my first time bringing it up. So I have an opportunity now that I drop down. Um, I'm just like, All right. So I'll be doing some work, of course, still doing some things with the Hornets, still doing the interviews, and now another opportunity to come up, you know, cover South Carolina State football. So I'm like, All right. So if this happened, like imagine when it's. I mean, I already feel like that because I've been there for ten years now, and I'm thankful to be there. But I'm like, man, I. Still, those days was like, I feel like I'm still holding myself back. I'm like, why am I? That's what I'm saying. It's like a, it's a mind thing. It's like sometimes I get in my head. I'm like, are you sure you're really ready to do this yet? And I'm just like, man, it's never going to be a perfect time. But sometimes you just got to learn to like when to let it go. Because, you know, that was just one day. And so God has already shown me, like, all right. You took one step. Mm-hmm. Like, so what's, like, when you going to make the full jump and just go out here and step out all the way? So it's, it's been some things um, that I'm working on, but uh, that's just one part of it. But like you said, some of the, so many of the things that you were saying, though, just like, man, 
just having that faith. But, you know, I say I still bring it back to me where I still have to show God that I'm still putting in the work. So it's not just me. Like people saying, man, you you got a lot of more time now. Like you just, I wish I could do that. Like, and they tell me, I wish I could be part-time. I was like, you can. But it's like, don't think I'm just leaving part-time and I'm just going home and watching TV. Like I'm still showing up for myself. That's like it. I'm still going to work on myself, spending more time dedicating myself to my own business. But, you know, like I said, it's just about faith. And like I said, like, that's why I want you to talk about, you know, just prayer is one thing, but you still you have, have to, to be willing to do the work. And when and that's funny that you said that because for me, I knew the time was coming for me to leave my job. And, but this is the prayer I pray. Lord, show me. Lord, show me. Lord, show me. Show me, show me when is the time. Show. And he's like, you already know. I'm just waiting on you. And finally, this was in June. We came back from vacation. In June, when I finally uttered the words. Tell you words have power. I finally said the words out loud. I said, I'm getting ready to quit. I even spoke the date that I was going to give my notice. Mm. When I spoke it out loud and I finally said it, that was like a free came all over me. And I'm like, Lord, forgive me because you've been waiting on me. I've been sitting up here trying to put the ball in your court so I wouldn't be making the decision. And because one of my friends, she holds me accountable. And every time we meet together, her husband and my husband and me and her, we meet together once a month for either breakfast or lunch. And every month she asks me the same thing. When you leaving? When you leaving? Well, when she's like, mm-mm, when you leaving? And I, that would all be, well, when the Lord showed me. He had already been showing me because I got uncomfortable. I didn't enjoy what I was doing anymore. Mm-hmm. And he was already, you know, making, making me squirm a little bit. But it was like, no, I still need to make sure that I'm doing the right thing. He need to show me I'm doing the right thing. And I went, but it was up to me to take that leap of faith and be like, you know what, God, I trust you. You've given this to me. And I know you didn't give it to me for me to not succeed in it. You didn't give me the ability to learn the knowledge behind trucking and dispatching and teach the students I have now to not be able mm-hmm. to succeed in it. And then I look at my husband and the, and the oh my goodness, the joy he has. <laughs> it was just, he's like, the freeing. He said it's mm-hmm. free. He said it's freedom. He said it's freedom. I'm free now. And the very company that he gave his notice to and he left is now the very company that is asking us to bid on loads and wanting us to carry loads for them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my goodness. As soon as I spoke those words, and I said, this is the day that I'm, this is it. After Labor Day, I'm not going back. And I'm sitting up here and I'm like, then the opportunity to teach at the college came. Then I just finished compliance training. So now I have another service that I can offer, my, not just my drivers, but drivers in general. It was just like, okay, now you've said it. 
So now everything's set in motion. I applied for the leadership program with um, Spomberg, um Chamber of Commerce. I got accepted. And mm -hmm. I also got a scholarship to, a t to, to participate in the course. So it has just been like, he's just like been setting things up. Now you've said it. Now I can just show you what I had. Now I can start opening some of these doors. Mm -hmm. So once you walk off, you're still going to be okay because that's not your source. I'm your source. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay, Lord, I trust you. So I'm excited. I'm just truly, I'm excited. I'm excited for what he's doing. Mm -hmm. I'm excited that little old us, little old me, <laughs> is going to be able to help other people achieve their dreams of being business owners and entrepreneurs. Even if it's not in trucking, being a business is, owner in mm -hmm. general. Because you, I mean, it's more to it than just saying I'm just going to sell a product. But you, you're rendering a service. And, you know, presentation and attitude and disposition is everything. Everything. Mm -hmm. I read a book. I talk about a lot of books. I have a, a, a crazy collection at home. But I remember reading a book some, several years ago by uh, head coach of North Carolina Central, Lavelle Moton, called The Worst Times or the Best Times. And he, and he said in one part of the book, he's saying, you know, Science is saying, show me and I believe you. And faith is saying, believe and I'll show, show you. Me. So it's like when you, when you, when I even just thinking about my journey, just paying attention to the signs of like, like I said, you know, starting in the backyard of my dad's storage building with only a, only a laptop to then getting some cameras and then starting out locally and then flying across the country and, you know, covering professional sports. It's like, God is just showing you like, I'm showing you like, Everything is here. This is what you can have. Like this is what you can do. Even even this flyer right here that I that I printed out. <laughs> it's like God is already already showing me. It's like like now I just have to continue doing my part. But how how would you get people to you know like get to that point of you know like having that faith or having that courage? You know like is there like a way to just kind of like step out there and do what they really want to do i know of course you know you need to work and pay your bills but at some point you still have to take a chance and you know invest in yourself and better yourself like how would you encourage people to you know to do that the way i do <clears throat> the way i do it now is i ask one question what are you passionate about because most people that work their nine to fives if you ask them is that nine to five you passionate about mm -mm. that's not what they're passionate about what are you passionate about? What could you do all day long and it not be considered work and you not get tired of doing it? And that brings you so much joy. If they can answer that question and they tell you what that is, my next question is, why are you not doing it? Because mm -hmm. you have to find out what they're passionate about, then find out why they're not doing it. And then, once they tell you why they're not doing it, which is going to be a whole bunch of excuses. Excuses. I got children. Yep. I got bills. I don't I have do time. This. I ain't got time. Yep. But then the next step, the next thing I ask them is, but what if you did, you dedicated two hours a day to doing what you're passionate about? Set you a goal of, of doing something that you're passionate about for two hours a day. Two hours a day. Yep. And then work your way up. And then start doing it part-time. And then start doing it from part-time. Work your way into full-time. I'm not telling nobody to go out there tomorrow and quit their job. But 
if you know that you have a burning desire to do something else, whether it's dispatching, whether it's trucking, whether it's podcasting, whether it's taking care of children, whether it's doing whatever, whether it's Ubering, whether it's owning an Uber service, whatever, whether it's owning a fleet of Ubers, whatever it is, whatever you're passionate about, your two hours could be researching it. Your two hours could be looking at your local area to see is there a need for a service in this area. Mm-hmm. Doing your homework. That could be your two hours a day. Because once you start doing it, and then you start realizing there really is a need for this. Hmm, there really is. I could really do this. Because the more time and effort and attention you put into it, the more that's where your focus is going to be. Mm-hmm. The more where your heart is going to be. And once that happens, you're just going to continue to walk that thing out. Mm-hmm. But you have to know what you're passionate about. You have to know what brings you joy. And that, that for me is seeing other people walk out their purpose. That's what brings me joy is mm-hmm. being able, you know, I didn't think I could. But now I'm walking it out. I'm doing it. I did, it took me a minute. I stopped a couple of times, but I didn't give up. You got to keep on going. You got to keep on going. That's the main thing is you don't quit. You keep going. Absolutely. And I always tell people, like I said, life is, life is always going to give you a reason to quit. That's one thing that, you know, just going back to that interview with Ben, is just like he always said, life is always going to give you a reason to quit, whether it's kids or you don't have time or anything like when you try to make progress towards something the life is just gonna happen Mm -hmm. well this family friends cars and the car might break down anything (laughs) i remember going back to this fly going to the during the first tour i had some issues with my car my car was running high and i was like man I don't think it's gonna be time i'd say i might just put this off again and like maybe this ain't time i was like you know what i'm gonna still go out here and do it anyway and going back to that that interview again, it's like when I when I got on the plane and I had that seat by the window. At first, I was scared, but when <laughs> I opened the window and I looked down, I was like, "Man, I was really about to let a, a car issue hold me. Just a, a car." And I was like, "Man, when you put stuff in that type of mm-hmm. perspective, it's like, man, there's you're really worrying about the wrong things." And and had I not took that opportunity, man, you, I never knew what knew what I was missing out on. But I, I would tell people, man, just even if you have to start small, mm-hmm. you know, just take those steps and continue gradually working towards something that you want to do. Because if not, man, you 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 wasting time. And one thing about it, like even if you look at now, we in August, like time don't wait for nobody. nobody. Time don't care. Like whether you go after your dreams or not, mm-hmm. time is still moving. Time still moving. And I'm like, man, all right. So it's August. So what you gonna do? Like, are you gonna continue like pushing your dreams off? Or are you gonna go out here and make something happen? So for me, I'm like, you know what? I, I can't keep pushing things off, even though I'm still in. Even now, I'm thinking about like, man, I'm. What am I waiting on? Like, and I know I had the potential to do so many different things, but it's like, all right, I just gotta. I'm still making those gradual steps. But for me, I tell people, you know, invest in yourself. Start small, but just continue working towards your goals or whatever it is that you want. Um, a few more questions. Um. Got to, I want to start talking to you about, you know, Kingdom Dispatch and Logistics um, before we get out of here. Um, can you talk a little bit about how it all started again? 
Kingdom Dispatch and Logistics was birthed during COVID. Mm-hmm. My husband, Carl, and I, we were sitting and we were talking about all the stuff that was going on. Because at that time, everybody was shut up in the house. And we were talking about that people were, going, were losing their homes and people was not going to have jobs to go back to. You know, what was people going to do? And we had wanted a business to start. And we were we were talking to um, one of the real estate agents at our church. And we were talking to him. And he said, have you ever thought about trucking? But then when we really started looking into trucking, at that time, only thing that was moving at that time was the trucks, transporting goods from point mm-hmm. A to point B. Businesses were shut down. People were closed up in their homes. That was it. And I was like, I don't want to do no. I don't, want, I don't know nothing about no trucks. I don't want to drive no truck. I don't want to. Do that. <laughs> but <clears throat> when we began to really pray about it, and we began to really do our due diligence and research about it, trucking has so many different faucets other than trucking. It's not my desire to drive a truck. My husband wants me to, to get out there and at least whirl it one good time. But it's not my <laughs> desire to drive the truck. There's so many different things that you can do with trucking and logistics. It is amazing. So that's how Kingdom Dispatch and Logistics was birthed. It was birthed to be able to help people connect, do a business that's going to be around forever. Trucking ain't going nowhere. You can't put a container in the back of your car and haul it to the store. You it ain't going anywhere. You can see on the news is this, is that, diesel is this, and da 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 da. But it's not going, it's not going anywhere. And so that's when we decided, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do this. I'm like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna Lord, we're gonna do this. (laughs) And that's how it came about. And we started baby steps. Baby steps in doing the research, doing our homework baby steps in learning the ins and the outs of the business and baby steps of putting ourselves out there. I mean, we did, we did a, a, I call it a soft, smooth opening, you know, just put up my flyer in a couple of trucking groups and I was like, okay. And you know, I got a little discouraged because you know, after, after about a week, I didn't get no, I ain't getting no, I ain't getting no hits. I said, ain't nobody, but I'm looking at everybody here. We go again back to Facebook, looking at everybody over here getting all these likes and all these comments and all these this and all these. I said, ain't nobody responding to mine. And I'm just like, and then that one day, I got that one call, that first call. He was new in the trucking industry. I was new in the dispatching business. And I said, well, how about this? How about we just walk, learn, and grow together? And he said, let's do it. Mm. And we did. And that's so that's, that's how we started, and that's how we Got rolling. And still and still rolling. And still rolling, getting stronger and stronger and growing. And it is it is a place to whereas there are times that I just have to really sit back and pinch myself. But it's also a place to whereas I have learned that you can't share your dream and visions with everybody because everybody's not gonna be happy for you. <clears throat> Especially if they don't have the mindset to see where you're going. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, that's okay. Lord, we see. <laughs> I just to touch on it a little bit. I know um, you you do consultations or something. Am I correct? Yes. But and I saw in one of your videos you were talking a little bit about. Uh, we don't have to get 
all the way to the X's and the X's and O's of it. Of course, they can reach out to you. But like you were speaking about, you know, in regards to trucking, something along the lines of authority. Can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about that for people? Yes. If you are a owner operator, you have to have authority, which means which is a MC number, which is a motor carrier number. So next time you're going down the road and you see a, a, a big 18-wheeler or you see another truck, look on the side of their door, you will see USDOT number and an MC number. Those are numbers that you go through and you apply for through the FMCSA in Washington. Your DOT number, once you apply, you can get it, that's free. So that mm-hmm. just means that you can only, if you apply in South Carolina, you can only drive in South Carolina. Right. You can't drive outside of South Carolina. But your authority, your MC number, that's what you have to pay for. And the price of that, the general price is $300. But it depends on what type of equipment you have and what you're going to haul. So if you're going to be hauling hazmat, you're going to be hauling food-grade material, you're going to be hauling all that kind of stuff, you'll pay a little bit more. But that is... that. MC number is what gives you the authority to cross state lines, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I know I have a I have a friend that uh he took some classes and he became a truck driver and he, I don't really know the difference in all of it. I just know he drives trucks and I go <laughs> I go on his Instagram story and he's somewhere up here or he'll be driving down to Myrtle mm-hmm. Beach and whatever. And I think he, he's like, man, we even on holiday he said, man, we still rolling no matter what. But I just never knew um all the ins and outs of it. So how do you actually get carriers? Like when it do they just you know go to your Facebook or something? Like how do you people to like to get the carriers? Well, there's many different ways that you can solicit carriers. You can solicit on Facebook, which is you can join their whole their hundreds of thousands of trucking groups for all the different types of equipment, or you can um, connect with people that you know that are in the industry. Or if you have family members that are in the trucking business, or you can just go to, be careful when you do this, especially ladies, or you can go to a truck stop and you can, don't go out there where the truck says, don't go out there and somebody <laughs> put you in the truck and take you off somewhere. Most of the times in big truck stops, they have a little area for the truckers to sit and they have like a little board up there you can put your business card up there you can put your flyer up there but yeah most of the time word of mouth is 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 a big way of getting carriers but most of the time for me when I first started out I started out with Facebook I I joined a lot of the groups and then I would just watch what was going on I was just and then I just you know somebody says I'm I'm looking for a dispatcher I would just drop my flyer Drop my flyer mm. in the comments. And, you know, if they decided they wanted to reach out to me, they would. If they didn't, you know, I just keep going and I drop it again. But most of the time, once you get involved in the business and once you build relationships in the business, you don't have to solicit anymore. They'll come to you. Word of mouth. Word of mouth. Mm-hmm. They'll come to you. When it when it comes to making, like, business decisions um, and taking risks and taking certain risks, how do you handle, you know, processing those um, those type of big decisions? Prayer. <laughs> <laughs> My husband and I, we are praying people. We pray. When it came down time for us to purchase our truck, we were very specific in what we wanted. We were specific in the, the truck model we wanted. 
We were specific in the mileage that we wanted. We were specific in the engine type that we wanted. We were mm. specific in the year of the truck that we wanted. And we was most important specific in the price range we wanted. <laughs> because when you are making any type of decision, you got to be, when you're praying and asking God to give you certain things, you got to be specific at what you want. Oh, I, I just want a new car. Okay. What kind okay. of car? I mean, we were so specific down, I mean, honestly, down to the nuts, the bolts. We was that specific as mm -hmm. to what we wanted. That's how we make our major decisions. Our major decisions are not based off or made off of a whim. We was praying about that truck for almost a year. And mm -hmm. finally, when God opened up the door, he opened up the door for the right truck because there was another truck that was about $5,000 cheaper than the one we got. But because I had already been doing the dispatching and one of the brokers had told me that the truck we needed, the height and the dimension of the truck we needed to haul for her, a regular standard size, 26 foot box truck was not tall enough. So even though this truck was $5,000 less, it wasn't the mm -hmm. height that we needed. So we paid the more, more money, but we got more truck. Right. And now we're able to haul for her. And my husband does such a great job that she gives him first dibs on all her loads. She'll text mm. me and she'll say, okay, this is what I got for the week. Tell him to take his pick. So there's no really going out there looking. A lot of the time, they come to us. Absolutely. And you know, it was something you said that stuck out to me was like, you said y'all prayed on that truck. Y'all were very specific, but y'all prayed on it for over a year, a mm -hmm. year, over a year. And um, then you finally got the truck. And sometimes, you know, things don't show up right when we want them to, like we said. Um and like my mother will always say, you say, he may not come when you want him, but he'll be there always on time. But sometimes, you know, when it doesn't show up, we may have may have moments where we have like moments of doubt. Do you do you still at times, even though you know God is going to show up, it's almost like he has to show up. He's going to provide because we wouldn't be here if he didn't mm -hmm. show up. Do you still at times maybe have like little moments of doubt where you may question things, but you know deep down like God is going to show up one way or another? Of course, I'm human, of course. <laughs> but also at the same time, <clears throat> the enemy always brings the Ishmael. And you have to know the difference between the Isaac, which is the promise, mm -hmm. and Ishmael, which is the counterfeit. Mm -hmm. Because it can look exactly like what you want and what you've been asking, but there's something a little off with it. That's why when you pray and you ask God for something, that's why you need to be specific at what you're asking for. You need, one of my friends told me best and she taught me a lesson. She had been praying. She had um, left her job, got another job and working for the government. And when the student loan bill didn't get passed, well, they had hired, the student loan company had hired over a thousand and some odd people to handle all the influx that was supposed to come from that bill. Well, bill didn't get passed, so guess what? That delayed all those people off. So mm -hmm. she got laid off. And so she said, I know 
I enjoy working from home. I don't want to go back into a brick and mortar building. This is what I'm going to do. She wrote out her list. She was specific at what she prayed and asked God for concerning her job. So time went on. She didn't get it. Time went on, and she was like, I'm going to have to find something else. I'm going to have to look for something else. She started going out here. She said, I guess I'm going to have to go back in a brick and mortar. And every job that she applied for in a brick and mortar, she got turned down. She started getting frustrated. She started getting flustered. And she said one day in her prayer time, she said, God was like, she's like, God, why is this not happening? Said he told her, what you, that's, but that's not what you asked me for. Mm-hmm. That's not what you asked me for. And she said she had to remember, I am not deviating from what I prayed and asked God for. Mm. I prayed and asked him for an at-home job that paid decent money and that had good benefits. She said, I'm not deviating and work Monday through Friday. I'm not doing, that's what she said, I'm not doing no swing slips. I'm not doing no second or third. I'm not doing no awful work three. I want a Monday through Friday. So she got a call, and they offered her a job working from home, but it was a second shift job doing those flip-flop hours. Mm -hmm. She said, I told them, I thank you, and I appreciate you calling me, but I'm not settling for that. That's That's not what I'm looking for, but I thank you. How about the same people call her back, I think a couple of days later, and told her they'll have interviews and openings for first shift in July if she was still available or she was still interested. She said, I will be. Hmm. She started that job July 31st. Do you think at times, and I'll let you touch on this as we get we start winding down, at times we may uh, – how can I put this? Maybe at times we may be afraid to, you know, we may feel like we're asking God for for too much. We're like, hey, God, God, this is what I want. But if I can't get that, I'll just settle for this. Do you think at times a lot of us, you know, are too afraid to ask for exactly what we want because we feel like it may be too much to ask for? I won't say that it's too much to ask for. I think sometimes we think we, we teeter-totter over that line of, Maybe he can't do it. Mm. Maybe he mm-hmm. can't do it. So I won't ask for. I won't ask for the Bentley. If he can, if he can just give me a Camry, I'll be right. okay. Mm-hmm. If he can give you a Camry, he can give you a Bentley. Exactly. But that's that. That's that's what I believe. I believe that we 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 sometimes we put God in a box, and sometimes we look at God as we look at each other. And God is so far greater than that. He can do far that blows our minds. And so we just got to have the faith to believe that, okay, this is what he can do. This is what he desires to do for me because I'm his child. I belong to him. He tells us, and I love this scripture, he tells us no good thing will he withhold from those that walk up right before him. Mm -hmm. No good thing. And he also tells us it is his good pleasure to give us the keys to the kingdom. Mm. That's what he says. Mm -hmm. So when I'm asking him for things, I'm reminding him of his word that he said. (laughs) So, Lord, you said that you own a cattle on a thousand hill. 
So I know I don't have to lack because I know one of them cattles is mine somewhere up in there. They mine. So if you own it and you own the hill, I know there's no lack. And sometimes we do get caught up in life and we forget those things. We forget the promises. We forget his blessings. We forget how he bought us out two years ago. We forget when we lost our job, he still made a way. We still kept our lights on. We still were able to take care of our family. We forget mm -hmm. those things. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves of what his word say. Not what man say, society says, but what his word says. And so mm -hmm. when I'm giving him back, I'm giving him back his word. Because he says he's not man that he should lie. So if what I'm giving him back is his word, you said it, Lord. Yep. That's all I got to say yep. about it. Minister Sinclair would always tell, he said, God can't lie. He can't lie. He can't lie. Mm -hmm. Go stand on his word. Stand on his word. Every, every time. So what, what advice would you have for people, you know, that are pursuing their dreams? You know, they, like they, they may be um, teetering the fence, not, not really sure. Um, but what advice would you have for people that are pursuing, that want to pursue their dream, but they just don't know how to go about doing it? The advice I would give them, keep moving. Don't stop. Because your gifts will make room for you. All you got to do is keep moving. Keep going. You may come up against an obstacle, keep going. You may come up against a roadblock, keep going. I, 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 tell, I use this this passage of scripture all the time 23rd psalm it says yea though i walk through mm. the valley of the shadow of death i fear no evil, evil. Mm -hmm. it didn't say walk and pitch a tent and stay there he says you walk through it so when you come up against obstacles or when you think that you can't do it or you think that it's too hard to do keep moving mm. whether you do just a little bit at a time, just do a little bit. Just keep your feet moving. Don't give up. Keep mm -hmm. the faith and keep going. That's why it's ever so important to have your vision ever before you. Not just in your head, but to have it before you to a place where you can see it every day. See it, yep. And you're reminded, this is why I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. It's something to that because, you know, for me, like I was saying, like, like I've, I've been going through some things and I've been been knocked down and I've been having moments where I might feel discouraged. Like even like I said, when I when I stepped down from my job, I see. So when I stepped down from my job, I was like, you know what? I'm about to invest more time into myself. So I've been doing some things, just being transparent. I've been going around to different businesses, talking to them, you know, about you know, forming different type of partnerships and stuff like that, and you know. Different opportunities. I reach out about covering different teams, and you know, being rejected it does hurt. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's like you just something in me just keeps telling me to just keep on going, keep going. over and over. And it's this part in um, in the book um, Battlefield of the Mind by Joyce Meyer. I actually uh, I I keep this in my phone. Um, it's just scripture from the book of Revelation. Was kind of paraphrasing a little bit. It says, "I have set before thee an open door, mm -hmm. and no man can shut it." So when I read that, it's like man can shut, may try to shut a door, but God has the final say. So He's not gonna shut these doors. So he's gonna open up more doors of opportunity for me. So I'm like, you know what? Just remembering that scripture always pushes me to keep on going. 
even though I still have some days now where it's like I, I might get beat up a little bit. But it's like, man, these, these people, man, like most people, like when I go talk to them, you might get like a, a word of encouragement, say, yeah, we'll follow up. And then sometimes you never hear anything back. But this just means that opportunity might not be for me. Something else greater is on the way. But but like I was saying earlier, like when you when you get into entrepreneurship, that's when you this is the closest I ever been to God because it's just us on this relationship mm-hmm. every single day, talking to him, like, okay, God, what we gonna do? Where we going? Like I know you go I know you gonna pull me through it. It, it get it's getting rocky at times, but it's like, you know what? I'm gonna just keep up it, keep showing up every day. Keep and I remember up. you so, saying that in um, one of your videos on Facebook. It's just showing up, just doing the work. It's like rejection is part of the process, but you still got to keep on going, keep your head going, keep your head up, keep on going. And I'll let you talk about it as well. It's just a, a part, the important part of just like showing up every single day. And that 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 is the most important part is to show up, because mm-hmm. if you don't show up. You never know what's going to happen. But if you show up, you show up, but you show up with expectation that something's going to happen. If you lay in the bed, I ain't going to do it today. You never know what could have happened. But if you showed up, you never know what door God could have opened. Mm-hmm. You never know who could who, who he could have positioned to walk through that door. But you have to show up. Every day, show up. Every day, show up. Every day, show up. That's the key. You got that's your part is showing up. The rest is on him. Mm-hmm. And see that that's the thing that we we feel we got to do everything from A to Z. No, when you walk in alignment with him, he tells you, you trust me, and I'm gonna do everything else. All you gotta do is trust me. Trust me. Mm-hmm. Trust yep. me. He tells us that this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. it. Mm-hmm. Nowhere in there did he say, you got to fix anything. You got to worry about anything. You got to handle anything. Only thing he said you got to redo is rejoice, rejoice and be glad mm-hmm. in it. That's what he's told you to do. He got everything mm-hmm. else covered. Yeah, we. I think we try to figure out try to figure out how we're going to make everything mm-hmm. happen. That's the human side. Yep. It's like, because it doesn't, if it doesn't seem logical to us, then we don't believe that it's going to happen. And I remember this was our second tour in 2021, self-investment tour. When we was going to, I was like, I want to go to California. But I was like, man, I don't even know how I'm going to get there. So I was just writing down different places. And I read this article on blackbusiness.com and this lady had a mannequin business. So I reached out to her. And uh, told her who I was, told her the work that I do, and she she reached back out in like 20 minutes, and she was like, hey, I would love to have a conversation with you. So when I gave her a phone call and I talked to her, it's Miss Judy. I love her. I love her to death. I appreciate everything she's done for me. She was like, have you ever been to the Bay Area? I said, no, ma'am. She said, well, i tell you what. She said, if you're really serious about it, she said, I got a I got an Airbnb out here that you can stay in. She said, you don't even have to worry about paying on The only thing you have to pay is just pay the clean, cleanup fee, and that's it. So she gave me and my friend an Airbnb out there in Oakland, California for $150. And I was like, this lady didn't even know me from a can of paint, just from a conversation and me reaching out to her. Like, I didn't know how I was going to get to California. I was just like, I want to go out here, do an interview, do some work. And that was the first time I had ever been um, to the West Coast, period. And I was like, all right, so... 
God, once again, is God just showing up. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the work, but God shows up. And I was like, I didn't know how I was going to get there, but then he sends this lady just from an article, and I reached out to her, and here I am in, in Oakland, California for the very first time. And it was like, man, this, yeah, I was like, man, God is, is always going to come through and provide. And don't worry about how to get there. Just You just do the work and show up. Like you saying, just show up, and then God is going to take care of the rest. And he will. And he does it in such a way that you know it's nobody but him. Mm-hmm. Who goes to California and stay for $150? Is that, is, is expensive as California is. I know it is. <laughs> Gallon of milk, $5. Oof. But you stay for $150. In a nice place. Mm-hmm. But that's what he does. That's how he takes care of his children. And that's how he wants us to look at him as being that good, good father that I only want the best for you. I already got the best for you. Just trust me. Trade Mm -hmm. in that small raggedy teddy bear for the big nice one he's got behind his back. Give up all this to get all of that. Mm -hmm. You can't go wrong. It's, I feel like it's just so hard, I guess because of like we're so accustomed to that and we, we're scared to lose that or, or worried about what other people say that we just don't want to let something go. We're just too afraid to let it go and just want to hang on to it but not realizing what's going to be on the other side. But I think that's the part about faith is because if everybody knew what was on the other side, they just knew what they would get just by letting go mm-hmm. of whatever they're hanging on to. Everybody every, be over there. Everybody would be over there. But that's why it's so important to have faith. Like you said, um, like when I was reading that book from Lavelle Moat, Coach Lavelle Moat, science is saying, show me and I'll believe you. But faith is saying, believe and I'll show you. So when you just have that faith and you just have to, you know, take those steps and take those chances, man, God is going to, you know, make those ways. My final two things before we get ready to wrap it up. The one thing that I love to ask people when they come on here, when I'm on the road traveling for the self-investment tour, um, I love asking everybody at the end, what does self-investment mean to you? Self-investment means to me is that I invest in myself, is that I take the time to be poured back into. I take the time to continue to educate myself, learn, and be able to better equip and help other people. So mm-hmm. you always got to give, you always got to invest in yourself. You know, people, well, these courses cost this, these courses cost that, but that's a, an investment for you. Mm-hmm. That's knowledge that you'll gain that can't nobody take from you. Yep. And that's knowledge that you will gain that you can help somebody else. Absolutely. Self-investment is always going to be the the best investment. Mm-hmm. No 401k, nothing, nothing can replace that, that self-investment. Mm-hmm. And it, it may take a while, but you'll be glad that you made that investment That's in it. yourself because then you get the full return on it. And it ain't you right because it's not taxed. Exactly. <laughs> Just like everything else. Yep. The one thing government can't tax yeah. right there. It can't tax it. And once you obtain it and you get it, nobody can take it from you. Mm-hmm. They cannot take it from you. And so I encourage people to invest in themselves. I mean, I'm not saying go out here and just spend money you don't have, but there are some really good courses and really good conferences that you can go to. to invest. I mean, go to one a year. Invest in yourself. Network with like-minded people. Mm-hmm. 
That's so important. Oh, that is very important. important. Because that is what will that is what will help you on those dark days and those trying times. You can fall back and remember. I spoke to so-and-so, and I remember what she told me. She told me that it didn't happen for her overnight either. She had to, you know, get some doors slammed in her face. You know, I love listening to Steve Harvey. Mm -hmm. I love listening to his his testimony. I love listening to how he talks about how he was at the bottom of the bottom. Mm -hmm. And now at 60, 65 years old. Now at 65, he's living his best mm -hmm. life. Just came out with a new um, health food line. Mm -hmm. But he didn't wake up overnight and get there. Right. And I love listening to his radio show when he said to Steve Harvey on the radio, I got a radio show. Who would have thought? I got a radio mm -hmm. show. We, we have to listen to people and follow after people that, have, that are now where we want to be. As long as they're good role models, right. I say it like that. Yeah. <laughs> Got to put that disclaimer right. in there. But we have to we we have to watch them because when they're willing to share and be transparent and say how I stayed in my car, how I lost everything, and how I started from the bottom, and you know, and I failed several times, and I failed several more times, but I kept getting back up. Get back up. And those are the type of stories that resonate with me. Mm -hmm. It's cool to see what people have accomplished and see where they are now, but I like hearing that backstory mm -hmm. and hearing what people went through to, to get to where they are because to me, so many people are going through stuff and that's so much more relatable just to see, well, this person went through some stuff. If, if they can pull through it, then I can do the same thing. So I, I love hearing those backstories of like what people overcome, to, you know, help them become where they are. And it's a, it's and those are the type of stories that more people need to share that I wish a lot more celebrities mm -hmm. over these people in these in these. Um, in the spotlight would um do was just share those stories because everything is not glitz and glam no. like social media paints that picture to be like people are still going through things celebrities they go through things mm -hmm. and and even sometimes those are the ones who feel like are the most miserable like they may paint paint these pictures or show things like they're living their best life but but like behind closed doors, doors life is just a it's a it's a mess for mm -hmm. them and that's the thing that gets that gets people, but most importantly, that gets our young people, is that they get on the social media, they watch, you know, they watch these reality shows, and then they see this life, and that is the life that they want. And then I'm like, but there's so much more to the backstory behind that. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so much more on the cutting room floor that they edited out that you didn't see mm -hmm. to make this beautiful facade of what what you see now but yep. then when they go home they're shut up they're drinking they're on drugs they're miserable they're suffering with depression and then you've got so many people trying to live up to what they see and then when they when they can't get there and they can't obtain it then they think life's not worth living mm -hmm. no that's not how it's supposed to be yep and then sometimes they might be one paycheck away from from losing everything. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you got to be careful what you ask for or, or be careful what you, you, you think you might want, but that might not even be what you really want because you don't see what's going on like on social media, but they could be one check away or one bad move away from losing everything. everything. Mm -hmm. So you can't, you can't go off everything that, you, everything that you see. 
is because if you're on somebody's page and every time you're on their page and everything is just good, 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 that's a red flag to me. Yeah, it's hard for me to trust you. That's a red flag to me because um, I know what life is. And life has its ups and downs and its challenges. Yep. But if you're painting, if you're painting this picture that I'm always this, and like I said before, you never know how many photos they've taken to get that one perfect shot, or that they consider a perfect mm-hmm. shot. So it's it's just a lot that is out there now that is a misrepresentation of what a true good life is. Yes, it is. True good life is not about having all the things. A true good life is having peace, which you can't buy peace. It's having joy. It's having those that are around you that love you and support you. Though that stuff is priceless. Having good health. That's the good life. It is. You know, everything else, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But those are things. You'll never be able to keep up with the Joneses. My husband and I, we upgraded our phones in, in um <laughs> in December. We upgraded our cell phones. Was going out of town for a vacation for a week. We went by the store. Oh, we upgraded. How about it wasn't even a week later? They didn't come out with another Something version. New. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, We should have just waited. I said, Honey, mm. we'll never stay we'll, they already had them phones in in the in the air, getting ready to be shipped. Ready, ready. <laughs> ready to be shipped while we yep. was in here getting the other version. You will never keep up with the latest and the greatest. You'll never keep up with it. You'll never keep up with the styles. You'll never keep up with the Joneses. So stop trying because mm-hmm. you never know. The Joneses may be one step away from being evicted, repossession. You never know. Stop trying. Just be you. Mm-hmm. Just be yourself. And I yep. tell you, when I stop worrying, and a lot of people say, this is going to sound hard, but it's the truth. When I stopped worrying about what people thought about me, that was the most freeing thing. It's going to be the best thing. That's the best thing. Mm-hmm. Because you want me to stay here, but God is calling me here. And my here don't match up with where you want me to be. So mm-hmm. guess what? We're going to keep on, keep on rolling with Big Daddy over here. Exactly. That's yep. what I'm keep rolling. And when I stopped worrying about what people thought or what people was going to say, that freed me to be able to live the life that he ordained that I live mm-hmm. or that he died that I that I could live. Yep. So many people are getting caught up. That's why, like, that's what comes, a lot of it comes down to is just going after dreams or whatever it is because we're afraid of what people going to say mm-hmm. or think. People going to talk about you regardless. Yep. Even after you're gone, yep. people are going to still talk about you however they feel, whether good or bad. bad or indifferent. Yep. They're going to talk about you if you make it. They're going to talk about you if you don't make it. They're going to talk about you if you're in between. They're going to talk about you regardless. So you know what? Why not just live your life? Exactly. Might as well, because you, you only get one. You ain't got but one. That's it. It's That's just it. one. So a, as we get ready to wrap this up, Ms. Leslie, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. This was this was great. I already knew just from, like I said, our conversation earlier, this was going to be a great conversation. Um, and I love that you, you know, speak about the word, because um, it really 
moves me and it keeps me inspired. It keeps me motivated. Like I said, one of the books, it's a couple of books that I'm reading now. Um, I'm reading the book by um, George Meyer, The Battlefield of the Mind. Another one that I finished reading not too long ago was Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he talks about those tricks that the devil uses. Mm -hmm. Like It's almost like he was having an interview with the devil and and the devil was talking to him about some of the tricks that he uses as far as, like, drugs and alcohol and, and like, the overindulging of sex. There's so many things that the devil uses to keep us, like, stagnant or, or keep us in this trap of not going after what we really want. Um, but I want to let you talk about, you know, the word and, and is, is it a scripture that you use as we get ready to close this interview out, you know, a scripture that, that resonates with you and that will resonate with people to, you know, keep them encouraged. My favorite scripture is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That was the scripture that he gave me when I was going through a divorce. It says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thy own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Mm. That scripture kept me because I had nothing else that I could do other than to trust him. And when he instructs you to acknowledge him in all your ways, and he'll direct you, everything you do, you acknowledge him. Acknowledge him him for waking you up this morning. Acknowledge him for giving you the ability to have the activities of your limbs. Acknowledge him for the connections that he's allowed you to make. Acknowledge him for the doors he's opened. Acknowledge him for the doors he's closed. That is the scripture that when you need concrete, concrete of what I'm supposed to do, I don't know what else to do. I don't know which way to turn. Trust him. Absolutely. That's a perfect way to close out this interview. Ms. Lacey Wallace, thank you so much for taking the time to sit with me. I know we probably went over the time, but <laughs> but okay. I really enjoyed it. This was a great Good. conversation. Anytime you need to come back, you, you know, you're more than welcome to come back here again. Before we get out of here, can you please tell everybody how to find you? True. It was a great conversation, and I've enjoyed it. You can find me on Facebook, either on my personal page, or you can find me on Facebook. You can, um, our Ready to Dispatch page, you can find us, uh, Kingdom Dispatch and Logistics, on www.kingdomdispatchlogistics.com. You can Contact me. My number is 800-953-5445. Or you can email me at info at kingdomdispatchlogistics.com. Absolutely. So hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode of the Cross the Line podcast. I know everybody will. Like I said, this is a great conversation about, you know, business and faith. And I would just encourage everybody, you know, you only get one life to live. Like I said, I'm being, we were both transparent, like, even though everything is not perfect on my side, I'm still, you know, striving, but I'm still making still those steps. You still got to show up. No matter what, right. show up, do your part, and God is going to be there. Like you say, he, he He can't lie. He, he stand, he's going to stand on his mm-hmm. word. So as long as you know that, have faith, and just continue to do the good work, you know, God is going to provide. So hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode of the Cross the Line Podcast. Ms. Wallace, thank you again. Thank I really you. enjoyed it. So until next time, keep chasing your dreams. Thank you for listening.